Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to the following on podcast from TalkSport. Following every game that England play in the tournament and a couple of other big matches involving India. Uh, we will be uh, delivering a podcast straight to your inbox. It's myself, John Norman. It's him, Steve Harmison. And for the next 20 minutes or so, you're listening to the following on podcast. Well, welcome to the show. If you're listening, you no doubt know by now that England uh, have beaten Bangladesh and gone above them in the table, actually. Uh, they've doled out uh, a bit of a whipping, beating Bangladesh by 137 runs. Uh, the player of the match, Darwin Milan, the opener, top scoring with 140, coming from just 107 deliveries, 16 fours, five sixes, setting England on the way. Uh, they'd lost the toss, been asked to bat, and, uh, well, they made a mockery of that decision, really. Bairstow weighed in as well. The two combining, 115 for the first wicket before Bairstow was dismissed for 52. Joe Root then came in and just uh, uh, carried on where he left off against New Zealand. He hit 82 and uh, the formations, or the foundations rather, were set. 296 when Joss Butler was the third person out and England lost a few wickets along the way. Eventually, 364 for nine, always looked a big score and, uh, and so it proved. Bangladesh, when they came out to bat, well, their top order was blown away. And it was blown away thanks to one man, Reese Topley, who took two wickets in two balls. Tanzid Asan and uh, Shanto uh, dismissed uh, in subsequent deliveries. And then the ball of the game, possibly the tournament, to remove Shakib Al-Hassan. 26 for three, and that was pretty much the game. Uh, Topley came back to uh, take a fourth, and the wickets were shared around. Wokes with two, Curran with one, Rashid Wood and Livingston also with wickets. Uh, it means that, that England uh, uh, suddenly buoyed. A must-win encounter it was. They must win. They did win. Uh, so let's uh, have a little look about how things went and how things uh, may continue throughout the tournament. You're listening to Following Up. Story of the day. Well, first things first, Harmy. Um, Phew. Because, I don't know, I was just kind of a bit blasé about today's game after that defeat against New Zealand. But then I was listening to an interview between Owen Morgan and Ian Ward on Sky Sports yesterday and Ian Ward was asking the question of Owen Morgan, you know, can England qualify if they lose three matches? 
which in my mind, I think, well, yeah, you know, it's not the end of the world. They, they can still get there. But then, of course, if they had lost today, they would have had to play Pakistan, Australia, South Africa and India without really losing a game and the net run rate and yada, yada. So anyway, I rocked up at TalkSport Towers at half five. Joss Butler lost the toss. And I'm thinking, oh, no, the last thing we need is for England to limp out. Um, but they didn't. They uh, they put on a show. And I think what's probably the best thing from an English perspective is that how many players really came to the party today. You know, Johnny Bairstow, Joe Root, of course, Darwin Milan, who we'll talk about at length, I'm sure. And then Reese Topley. So credit to the selectors as well. I think it was a bit of a tap-in that he was going to come in for Moeen Ali. But, you know, even Chris Wokes took a wicket. Um, so, yeah, but first things first, overriding feelings following a, a handsome victory for England over Bangladesh. Yeah, I looked at I looked at the first game and thought, you know what, we've been here before. This, England, even even during Owen Morgan's time, we had times where we didn't play very well. We had times where we had an absolute shocker. And the good thing about this side, from an experience point of view, um, they've been there and done it. Um, and as well as that, they're very, very good at just moving on, just parking it, see you later. Thank you very much. That was a great day as well as that was a bad day and moving on to the next game and treating each game as the old cliche, you know, the next game is the most important. They're very, very good at that, this lot, which I didn't have, I didn't go into, you know, when I, when I doing the, the following on after the, uh, after the first game against New Zealand, I was not worried what was going to happen against Bangladesh or Afghanistan, because I think this is the two good of players, uh, um, even though I've said on the Critic Collective during the week that England's team at this minute in time is probably past their peak of powers because of the ages that a lot of them are at. I think they were at their peak of powers in 2019. Um, but they're still the best players we've got. They're still a fantastic cricket side and still one of the best sides to play uh, in this tournament. So when I came into the game, even when Joss lost the toss, um, I still find England's far too strong. For, for Bangladesh, and it would be a case of can they get off to a positive start? And and Johnny and, and Milan, they didn't get off to a racing start, but they got off to a good start. You know, they were nice and positive. Um, they ran between the wickets very, very well. They got the boundary when when was required. Um, so all in all, when you get off to a good start after a bad day, then you, you, you'd hope that, I'm sure you, you know, we all know the experience comes out and the, obviously their skill levels come out. And that, for me, is is the difference. The teams in the top six will be far superior to the teams in the bottom four. Um, and England will be one of them top six. I thought England batted very, very well. I thought their change-ups in the middle when when people had to play selflessly, which was like Sir Butler and Brooke. And you know, Livingston got a first baller. Sam came in and whacked a few, and so did Chris Fox. Um, I think all in all, England got after got a, a good total. And I think I seen before the before the tournament started, England scored you know, fifteen, nearly 20, 20 scores of three fifty plus going into that twenty nineteen World Cup, and they've hardly had any scores of three fifty plus going into this World Cup. Largely down to the fact that they haven't used the same players that will play in this tournament. There's obviously rest and rotation, but still, you need a, a unit to go, and that, you know, and that for me. Getting three fifty plus in that in that first innings early in the tournament, um, it, it sets the tone and it, it banished everything that happened against New Zealand. And then with a the ball, Reese Topley did what Reese Topley does. But we know what Reese Topley can do. He's like Mark Wood. He's so frustrating. 
so frustrating when you, you look at it because you, know, you, you can't build your side around Reese Topley. You can't build your side around Mark Wood because you just don't know when you're going to have them. You know, what you have to do is manage them well in a hope that you can get through a major tournament where identify the times you need them to play to get to the knockout stages and hope their bodies will, will hold firm to get to that knockout stage. Because Reese is he's unlucky with injuries, but he's also unlucky he stepped on the Toblerone in, in, um, in, in Australia and, and missed the tournament. So you know, he finds a way to get injured, but there's no question how good this boy is. You know, same with Mark. Um, they've got some they've got some questions to answer when it comes to selection for further down the line, but now they are good selections. So I think all in all, all around, it was a, a fantastic performance by England. I'm going to have to admit something else as well, you know. I mean, the build-up to this World Cup, there's been a lot going on at work, you know, the uh, the Ashes. Uh, there's been no hangover because they had all of August off, essentially. But, you know, you had the white ball stuff going on. And then, of course, there was all this big conversation about David Milan, Jason Roy, yada, yada. Um, and then the decision was made. It's Milan, it's not Roy. And again this morning, as uh, Milan was beating past the outside edge, because I think Bangladesh bowled well, actually. I think they were pretty unfortunate at the start not to pick up a wicket or two. And I'm thinking, hang on, how have we got to a place that Milan is opening? I mean, I kind of understand him coming in at three or four, but really, you know, I, I want to see Jason Roy smashing it down the ground. Of course, that's what Milan did <laughs> in the end. But his, I mean, his record in ODIs is ridiculous. He scored five centuries in the calendar year. He scored four centuries this year. He averages near on 65 after 20-odd ODIs. And what is even more incredible to me, and probably should have picked up on this beforehand, is that he's only scored one of those centuries in England. He scored them all around the world. Australia, um, Bangladesh. India now, um, Netherlands. I mean, that's that says something, doesn't it? Right there. You only have to go back, well, not, uh, 2015, so eight years. Ian Bell, who may still be our leading run scorer in ODI cricket, I think he only scored two ODI centuries. Again, I should probably check this out before saying it on air. I'll do it when you're speaking. But it just shows. Leading run scorer, first name on the team sheet, pretty much. Ian Bell. David Milan, first bloke people want to get rid of. Five centuries in a calendar year. And today's innings, I thought, you know, kind of as he got to about the 80.8, 70, 80, I thought, oh, is he slowing down a bit? Possibly. But then he started smashing the ball all around the place. So credit to Milan. I thought he played really, really well today. And, uh, yeah, again, you know, credit to the selectors for bringing in Topley for Ali today. Credit to the selectors. You'd have to say early stages. Uh, for uh, for entrusting that uh, opening partnership, that opening place to Darvin Milan? I think, you know, the the, the Topley one was an easy one. I think he was always coming into to the, this game in Darvin Salah. The, you know, the, the temperature was going to be better, the day, day game. So the Topley one, I think that was a horses for courses. It'll be interesting to see where they go in the next game because they've got a Delhi next and they probably spin a little bit more. And you look at Mo, uh, Mo and Ali and you think he's a far too a player to be left out but the, the Milan one you can I can see why there were people and like myself I, three weeks before four weeks before the World Cup and Milan wasn't in my team he wasn't in my squad I, I happily admit it but 
if somebody gets injured and you give somebody a chance, that somebody that takes the chance, you've got to you've got to go with it and you've got to ride with it. And unfortunately, uh, I think everybody in the country would want Jason Roy walking out to bat at the top of the order because of the way he plays. When Jason Roy, Roy scores runs for England, England tend to win cricket matches. But the problem you had was nine games, eight different venues all around with a back injury. David Milan has held his hands up and he's as a deputy when he played against New Zealand and did unbelievably well. You have to pick him. You had to pick him. There might be a chance in there might be a time in this tournament where you know you might have to you they might play a frontline bowlers in both uh, Topley and Wood in the all rounder if the thing is it's going to spin. Mo and Ali might come in for Chris Wokes and Chris Wokes is, is record in one day cricket is very, very good. But for me, David Milan, he's earned the right to be in the first choice opening batter because when he was given the chance, he didn't disappoint. He didn't let down. He went to South Africa, got runs. Went to Bangladesh, got runs. Yeah, he's fortunate that from that point of view, he is a a one-day player, a white ball player only, a bit like Zach Crawley or Nolly Pope when it comes to test match cricket. You know, they play the one format and they excel at that one format. Jason Roy is just unlucky that he got injured just at the wrong time because Harry Brook had to go because of where he's developing his career, the player he was, the player he is, his versatility, and as a 15-man squad, somebody that can bat at the top of the order or bat in the middle of the order. So, you know, when it comes to the selection, three weeks out, I had Milan not in my squad. Not because I didn't think he was very good. I, I know for a fact he's good. The problem is I had Jason Roy just ahead of him. But if you get injured, somebody takes their chance. You can't complain, and, and David Milan's never ever let England down when it's that. And you, there was a question mark of his strike rate. He's not Jason, but I don't think that's the that's a big problem in India um, at the top of the order, especially for a stroke player like Milan is. And he banished all the the, the question marks of his strike rate because he got 140 of 107 balls. He hit five sixes in India this morning. So for me, yeah, he's earned the right to have his place. Um, and his record, like you just mentioned, stands up against anybody in world cricket when it comes to white ball batting. Um, you know, there was a lot of, yeah, there was a lot of discussion about that 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 unit before the tournament started, largely down to the fact that you had to find a place for for Joe Root, and Joe might have, Joe might have into this World Cup, but there was never in question in my mind that you couldn't go to India in any format of the game, red or white ball, without Joe Root because of the way he plays cricket in, in that part of the world. So could you fit Milan and Root in the same side? I think Milan's possibly adapted that a little bit more for the top of the order and took the shackles off that little bit more, took risks that little bit more to make sure that he got that open and berth spot over Jason Roy and he's never looked back and fair play to him. He's been magnificent for England over the course of the last calendar year. We'll talk a little bit about Joe Root uh, in a minute, but I want to talk about Chris Wokes because you know, it wasn't a perfect performance. Uh, there was an interesting moment, though. Chris Wokes took the new ball. It was expensive again. And uh, Owen Morgan on commentary was asked the question, you know, would you take him off at this stage? I think he bowled three overs. They've gone for 30 on. Uh, he said he'd probably look at taking him off, bring on Sam Curran or whatever. Uh, Josh Butler decided to stick with him, give him one more, and he took a wicket. So that was interesting in itself. But Still doesn't seem to me that he's quite where England wants him to be. That's an opening bowler. Uh, there's no hiding places there. And for somebody that um, has performed, performed so well 
with the white ball and red uh, for England over the last few years. Is it is it somewhat of a surprise that he started the the the, the tournament in this in this vein? Um, and how do you expect him to go? I mean, is it a tactical, a technical thing, fatigue thing, not like a playing in India thing? I mean, what as a former fast bowler yourself, how do you read it? Um. I, mean, I was surprised we bowled in the first game because you could normally hang your hat on. If Chris Wokes gets banged off a length, so he, he can turn a length out, taking the ball away from the right-hander, and he can meticulously hit a length. If he gets whacked off that length, then if somebody comes hard at him front foot and belts him through extra um, through a sort of extra cover and cover point on the on the hitting him on the open on the drive, then you go well. That's all. Not it's not all he's got. But that's what makes Chris Wokes, Wokes very, very good. Turns out a good length, takes the ball away from the batter. He's very, very skillful, wobble ball, and everything that goes with it. In that first game, his lines and his lengths were were erratic, a bit like what mine used to be. But mine was six foot five and, and 90 mile an hour. So, you know, you you have bowlers that can run up, hit a length, and you can you can hang your hat on them. In the in this this World Cup so far, I don't think he's been as consistent as probably Chris would like to be. Um, I would like to see England open the ball with Mark Wood because I, I, I think in this tournament now, looking at teams, I think they're, they're, a lot of them are top-heavy batters. There's not many all-rounders in the go. And if you could pick up two, three wickets in a power play, you've won the game. That's it. Game over. So I'd rather, I'd rather go with, I, I would go with out-and-out Pierce at the top in these conditions, and say to Mark Wood, you've got three overs at the top, brand new ball, 95 mile an hour, there you go, um, which is changing the game plan as such. If you did that, then there probably isn't a place for Chris Wokes in the team. And you might then think, well, this is how I get mowing out. You have your extra spinner, and then you know, you've got your all-rounder that that way. So that's one way England can go. From, from Chris's point of view, I, I think Butler showed... Um, I think he showed good trust in the fact that it was coming. There was something happening. You know, Litton Das was batting beautifully well, um, but the, the wickets were falling at the other at the other end, and you just felt as though there was there was something just going to happen. And and maybe Joss has thought, right, he's got Das off uh, Litton Das off strike, and with him being off strike, I'll give Wokes another go because his wickets. Fall. Come on, he didn't get a wicket. And then all of a sudden he brings him on at the end, Mark, and to try and sort of give him that little confidence booster to go in with a wicket, you know, get a couple of tail enders out, and his figures look very, very good towards the end. Now, I think Chris Wokes could have done with that as well because it, it, it's a confidence thing. John, it's all about confidence when you're bowling. If you're going around, a, you know, he's experienced enough to know that if you bowl in power play, you're going to go around the park every now and again. But it just seems to me that he hasn't quite hit the lines and lengths that he's probably trying to hit. And that would be a slight concern going forward, especially when you're looking at the middle of England side and trying to trying to find a, a way of, of keeping your best players in the team, i.e. there's a big, big decision to make on Mo and Ali because, tell you what, that's too good of a player not to be playing in the first eleven. I mentioned uh, Ian Bell um, a short moment ago. He, t- he actually hit four centuries in his ODI career um, in 161 matches. So Darwin Milan's hit five. Actually, he might have hit more than five. He's hit five in the last calendar year. But uh, 
think he's about seven, and he's only played 23 matches or so. Um, yeah. But I don't want to dig out Ian Bell, because I don't know if I've ever told you this story. So Ian Bell was one of my favourite players, and during the great England side of 2010, I'd say he's probably my favourite player. Um, anyway, 2017, talks will get the rights to the Champions Trophy. And um, you, were, you were part of the commentary team, and so was Ian Bell. And so, anyway, I we were at the over. In fact, it was, I think it was me, you, and Marcus North, and we were talking about. I think it was a rain delay. Anyway, we were talking at length about certain things, and um, no doubt we were talking about 2015, the World Cup, the disastrousness of it, the fact that England had come back in the two years since. And I was a little bit dismissive about Ian Bell's approach to playing cricket at the top of the order, and it was part of a wider conversation. So I didn't really think too much about it. Anyway. Fast forward the next day, and I'm at Edgbaston, and Ian Bell's part of the commentary team, and I'm commentating away. Ian Bell sits down, and I introduce him to the listeners, and then he turns to me and says, ah, oh, nice nice to be here, John. Um, listening to the commentary yesterday, and uh, I was quite interested to hear you describe my style at the top of the order as plinking and plonking and <laughs> plinking and plonking it around. <laughs> I know. I was absolutely mortified. I had, of course, <laughs> said that. So, you know, I had said it. But yeah. I was just like, oh, mate, I have been, re- I have enjoyed watching you back for the last, I don't know, 10 years. And all you've heard me say about you is that very dismissive. Berating <laughs> <laughs> him. So, Ian, if you're listening, I loved you as a player. Very sorry. <laughs> and I don't mean to bring up your, your, your poor returns when it comes to ODI centuries. Then, yeah, if you had said that's what we say in our nickname, plinking it and plonking it, then fair enough. But Ian Bell, yeah, he's a bit more stashed. But the game's changed, didn't it? The game changed after 2015. Cook and Ian Bell opening a baton. Two fine players, two players who found a way of scoring runs in such a in such a way that England were had a, a decent enough side in England, but nowhere else in the world. Um, and it took Owen, Mar- Owen Morgan not to think outside the box, but just, just to cheer here. We approach, and I think the approach of of the shortest format of the game, i.e., franchise cricket in twenty twenties, and all of a sudden, you know, the, the game changes to a a belief factor more than anything else. People believed they could hit sixes and fours. People believed that they could get, you know, two eighty was a was a below par score, and it was three fifty. So, I think that is that changed since twenty fifteen. Um, I think you know the, the players now are. A lot of players now are solely focused on on one format of the game, and it just shows it's testament to the likes of the likes of Kieran Williamson and Steve Smith, Joe Root in this tournament. You have Virat Kohli, you know Rohit Sharma. These players who can play all formats of the game. Um, how good they have been because of their transition and of the way they've gone from red ball cricket to white ball cricket to red ball cricket through the last sort of 10, 15 years, um, while the whole world and the landscape is changing. Um, that's what the difference was between the likes of Bell and, and, and Cook before that, and then the ones before that. You, during my time, Nick Knight was one of the best opening batters in white ball cricket going. Um, and, and he was seen as somebody who got off to, got England off to fantastic starts. I think I think Stitch's striking it was about 80, late 80s, early, early 90s, if that. And that would be classed as a blocker now. So, yeah, the game has changed, um, but yeah, you know, I'm enjoying watching this this England this England team go about their stuff. 
I just worry, my big worry and concern is, John, during the next sort of four or five games, if England consistently win games, it's their balance of side. Where do they see is their best 11? Because that will be, if England were to qualify for the, the top four, it would be how do they get their best 11 out in that knockout game? And sometimes that can that can harm a team if you don't get the, that decision right. But they've got it right in this game when the when the when they made the seamer over the spinner. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Moment of the day. Okay, Harmy. Well, we've spoken at length about David Milana. We may mention of Reese Topley, but my moment of the day uh, involves the latter. Reese Topley, who, as you mentioned earlier, you know, would have played in the T20 World Cup. Who knows what uh, and how that would have gone if he had. But essentially, his, uh, his World Cup debut, uh, playing uh, for England, and his dad, Don, was in the crowd as well. You know, Don was out in Australia, had to come back with Reese. He went out to India when Reese then picked up an injury playing for Royal Challengers Bangalore. So uh, Don, who has travelled the world, uh, hoping to watch his uh, son play cricket, successfully at times, must be said, uh, was there in Durham, Charlotte, as uh, as Reese Topley made the difference. And and he really did make the difference, didn't he? Because there has been occasions when, not quite toothless, but you did wonder where the wickets were coming from. And what is so important in white ball cricket, as it is in red ball cricket, is you take wickets inside the uh, the power play, inside the opening for your overs. And with Reese Topley, you've got a guy that does threaten the wicket, uh, the stumps, does threaten the outside edge of the bat, can get a little bit of swing, can get a lot of swing. And, of course, has a left-arm angle of the attack, and he's six foot a million. Um, as you say, it's just a shame that England can't build their attack around him. Yeah, that's the, that's the, the biggest shame. And I, and I say that with every ounce of, of respect for, for Reese and for Mark. You just can't build your team around him. Um, he is a phenomenal bowler. He is. He could have. He could get in over two hundred Test wickets. 
no problem at all. You know, in and whenever I've spoke to Reese, which is not not much, not many, not many times, we spoke to him a bit out in the Caribbean, and you know, he talked about wanting to play red ball cricket. I remember talking to him in the Caribbean. He's talking about what you know, not giving up on red ball cricket, wanting to play test cricket. You know, he went back to the Caribbean and he had, he played for he played for Surrey in in the, in the four days stuff. So this is a big fellow that wants to play. Um, it's just unfortunately a little bit like. My old mate, who another phenomenal bowler in his time, excellent white ball bowler as well. Chris Tremlett, big tall man, hit the deck hard. You know, went to Surrey. You know, he was a, it was a fantastic cricketer, but unfortunately, he just couldn't keep him on the park for long enough to, to get into any sort of rhythm and to build a career that was, was more than three, four, five games in a row. Um, England have to manage Reese well, like like Mark Wood, but. Yeah, you know, like you, I I can't pick a different moment of the day. Uh, as much as I want to give it to David Milan, because he keeps silencing all of his critics, and yeah, you know, I was one of the ones that didn't want to pick him three weeks before the New Zealand trip. Um, he deserves all the credit he's going to get. But for me, Reese Topley, he is the he is the star of the day for me because of his injury record. England, you know. You know, wickets in that new it, wickets with the new ball. That for me is the key in winning this tournament. If you can take wickets in the power play, I think you've got a great chance of winning the tournament. And that that is the challenge of the selectors to try and get Reese through. England, you, you, I think you need to win. I think you need to win six to get fourth place. I think seven, seven or more, seven or more. Gets you definitely set a second and third, and then if you win eight, you get to to top the top the pool. So I think England need to win six games. I think they try; they've got to try and somehow get Reese Topley and Mark Wood through six or seven games in the in the first nine to then give them a chance to make a decision on the knockout stages. Because, like you said before, power play wickets are massive, and even for me, I'd be tempted to give Mark Wood two or three overs with the brand new ball. And see what that does and make a difference because we've seen in the summer when he gets the brand new ball, he can swing it. Um, and I think power play wickets are massive now. And you've just seen England got off to a good start, built up, got 350 plus. Um, Bangladesh, all of a sudden, when you look at it, you know, the, what were the 49 for four? You know, the 50, yeah, you know, the 49 for you know, 50 for four. Yeah, and getting you ain't you ain't winning any game from there really with with what England got on. So, you know, great, well, well done, Reese Topley. Hopefully, he recovers well, um, and he um, and he's ready for possibly not Afghanistan, but definitely against Australia and 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 Pakistan further down the line. What is going to happen tomorrow? Okay, not quite tomorrow. It's India versus Afghanistan tomorrow. But in terms of England's next two games, they do play Afghanistan. Uh, on Sunday, that's in Delhi, and then following that, and uh, we will talk about it in depth, I suppose, South Africa, uh, that's in Mumbai. So, what does happen? How, how do you see England and that game on Sunday? I think it, it is going to spin more at Delhi, isn't it? So, yeah. do you think they tinker with the team? Does Ali come back in? And if he does, who does he come back in for? Moen comes in. Does he come in for Livingston? Does he come in for Wokes? Um, do you give Rich Topley the rest that he probably needs to manage him? Um, if you're given the rest, 
that Topley needs, you possibly got to think about David Willey because of that left arm swing, giving it a chance to get up there, cause a problem against Afghanistan, against players who don't play a seam as well as spin. Um, you probably want to have three top frontline spinners, uh, three top frontline seamers. Uh, can you go another game with Mark Wood? That'll be another big question. Does Atkinson come into into play? Um, all in all, I think it's a it's a tough decision because if you take Afghanistan lightly, they'll beat you. So you still want to be you know foot down and to the to the to the you know, to the floor. So I think Mo and Ali comes back in. If I was making a change, I'd be tempted to leave either Chris Wokes or Liam Livingston out because if we were playing Australia or Pakistan. And I'd possibly be ruthless and go, Wokes pulls it, misses out. Mo and Ali goes in, two left arm options at the top. Wood, we, uh, you know, if you, as your pierce man, and you've got your three, your, your, your three spin options, four spin options with Joe. Um, against Afghanistan, I'd probably still want more, more seam options. So I'd go that way. Liam Livingston, is he, is he close to being dropped? Because... You know, he hasn't had the runs that you'd want him to have over the course of the last 12 months. And when you've got someone like Mo and Ali, who is so uh, crucial in Indian conditions, um, I'd try and find a place for Mo and in my team. So I think it's going to be interesting to see whether, the, not the Afghanistan team, the team that plays South Africa and Pakistan and Australia in the next sort of three or four games. Um, I'd be intrigued to see the balance of that side, especially in Mumbai where the ball might come onto the bat that little bit more. Um, so, you know, I think England have got to be, have got to be cautious and, and coy with how they look after the likes of Wood and, and Topley, but also have a big eye on making sure that this game, you know, you're still winning games because I think they've, getting a, they've got away with one in New Zealand by the, the margin of defeat was huge. But obviously they've just, they've just clawed that back. So I think all in all, it's been a good day for England. Good day indeed. Uh, Harmi, thank you very much. Uh, England up to fifth. Bangladesh dropped down to sixth and uh, the net run rate is in it's in the positive. So, uh, uh, yeah, they've righted some wrongs. Uh, you'll be back, Harmi, or we'll be back on Sunday following that game, England against Afghanistan. And uh, listeners still following on will be treated on Thursday by an interview which you would have heard a little bit of if you listened to the Cricket Collective on uh, Monday. Um, Graham Smith, the uh, the chief supremo at the SA20 and uh, obviously the former captain of the South African side uh, in conversation with Harmy and also Neil Manthorpe. That full interview, and it's, uh, it's wide-ranging. He talks about the upcoming tour to New Zealand, talks about the aims of the SA20, talks about the profitability of the tournament, the visibility of the tournament, lots to talk about. So uh, stick around for that. Uh, but for now, thanks for listening. Please subscribe and review, and you'll be listening to the following on podcast.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.